So Money is brought to you by CNET, the site that shows how to navigate change all around us. So Money episode 1426 from stimulus check to seven figure business owner Eliza Joe. You're listening to So Money with award winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30 minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. It it seemed to me that it was a sign, right? If you apply to 53 jobs and nobody contacts you, I really was like, okay, God, you must be telling me it's time to do something else. Because, I mean, you know, geez, 53 Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. As promised, we're going to be spotlighting a few of this year's 25 Next Up honorees. These are, as my guest Adam Ariema shared with us last week, he was a guest on Wednesday, editor-in-chief of Next Advisor. This is an inaugural list of 25 of the freshest, most diverse voices in personal finance today. Ellie Jope absolutely fits that bill. She is a nationally recognized business coach and speaker. After being laid off from her job, going through a divorce, single-handedly raising four children, Ellie used her $1,200 stimulus check and years of experience in sales and marketing to start the Elevated Agency. She has scaled that business to multiple seven figures, and she's going to talk about exactly how she did it on our show, how fear was a motivator for her to take a risk, cash that $1,200 stimulus check. Her mission is to educate women on how entrepreneurship and financial literacy can be used to create generational wealth. And she talks about the steps that she is taking today to ensure that her kids become millionaires. Here's Eliza Jope. Ellie Jope, welcome to So Money. I've been following your work on Next Advisor. You've contributed some pieces talking about how you're building generational wealth for your kids, how you're escaping this scarcity mindset, which I think a lot of us can relate to. For sure. Um, but a lot of us are meeting you for the first time. So maybe take us to the beginnings of how you began your financial independence journey. I would love that. And thank you so much again, Farnoosh, for having me on the show. It's just truly an honor. And I'm super excited to be a part of the Next Step list. So it's so cool. Um, But yeah, I would love to just take people back a little bit to, you know, before the business and what kind of really led into this financial independence journey that I'm on now and shifting that scarcity mindset. So, you know, when I started my business, it started actually out of a really hard time, you know, and a lot of pain truly, and really a financially instable position. So I had just moved back to my mom's house in early 2020, had finalized my divorce. I'm a mother of four. And at the time, my twins, who are the youngest, were maybe nine months. So they were basically newborn, still nursing. And I was trying to find work. I had worked for so long in corporate America as director of sales. I knew a lot about finance. You know, that was was my world. But when I was laid off, divorced, had to move back home, I applied to over 50 something jobs and just could not get hired. You know, I I was like, what's going on right now? You know, someone, Mm -hmm. someone should call me for an interview. And that was really kind of my bottom of the floor bathroom moment where I'm like, okay, Something has to give here. And if I'm not able to find a job to 
take me up on my skills, then I should look at how can I give my skills and knowledge to the market and start my own business and start consulting for small businesses. And that's what I did. I decided to start focusing on women-owned businesses who needed help with starting and scaling and specifically who needed help with getting funding because I knew a lot about that. Mm -hmm. So the $1,200 stimulus checks came, you know, around May of 2020, I want to say. And I literally used that as the seed money to start my business. Yeah. I felt like, you know, I may not ever come across a free $1,200 again or anytime soon. So I used some of it to form my LLC and to, you know, start my own website and buy a ring light and upgrade my phone, you know, just little things that I would use or felt like I would need to do this and got to work creating content. And within 10 months, I had made $1.2 million. What? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to get hold that thought. I want to learn about thought. what went into that because, uh, you know, I'm sharpening my pencils here. Um, yes. When you were going through your divorce, I'm mm-hmm. sure that there were many learnings. How did you support yourself and your four kids financially? How did you and your ex work that out? Because I think... Divorce can be really terrifying for mm-hmm. people like they don't do it because of the worry that how am I going to be able to support myself? Were you working in the marriage during the marriage? So you had some momentum or like, what, what can you take us to that moment? Yeah. Absolutely. So when I when we started going through the divorce proceedings, you know, I had been on disability from having given birth to the children. And in the job that I had, it was a six-figure job. So my disability income was about half of that. So it was, you know, still a good amount that allowed me to keep going and feel stable. But truly, when the divorce was finalized, I was the only one working in the marriage. So when I lost my job, everything else was kind of lost too. You know, if I hadn't been receiving any of those disability income payments, Um, or the little bit of the, we were all laid off. So what is it when you get, when you're laid off this, not severance, severance. Thank you. (laughs) So the severance was was kind of taking us through, but you know, truthfully, that's why I moved back home to my mom's house because the income wasn't coming in. You know, I had to join social services. So I was receiving, food stamps and cash aid, things to help us through that time. And gratefully living at my mom's house, I didn't have to pay rent. So, you know, my example of divorce is when you are the only one working and then you end up splitting from your partner, all of it really does come down on you. And I'm so grateful I was able to go to my mom's house because otherwise I'm not sure what we would have done. Mm -hmm. So that's why when those stimulus checks came, I saw that as like the shining light because I knew I had to get off of social assistance. I knew I wanted to get us back into a better situation. Um, and I just put that to work. Yeah. You a thousand X'd it. <laughs> Have you done that math? I just did. I was I like, it is a thousand. I'm going to 1.2 million, a thousand, a thousand times. Tell me what you did and what was the plan? Yes. And how did it, was it, what did you, I mean, did you exceed expectations or you're like, no, this was planned? So, you know, it's a great question. When I started, my initial goal was, all right, let me make what I used to make at my job, which was a hundred thousand dollars a year. You know? So I'm like, if I can just start making 10 K a month, we'll be good. Like I can, we can move out. I know what it feels like to make 10 K a month. Let's four kids, out. Ellie, four I kids, know. four, There's five yes. people now in your household. Yes, a lot. And, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever been back home to their mom's house, but 
living with your mom as an adult, it's like great on one side. And then it's also very challenging on another. So there's so many different things happening. But really what I did in order to start to scale the business is the first thing was I sat down and I made a list of all of the things I knew how to do, all the skills I had acquired in my working experience, all of the accomplishments I had had working a nine to five and broke down, okay, what were the things I did to do that, right? What were the some of the steps I took to help our company make X amount of sales? What were some of the things I did to help my salespeople become better salespeople as a director? And making that list really helped me to see how many of those accomplishments were transferable to small new businesses. Mm-hmm. And that was key, right? Taking inventory of myself and looking at what is the demand for these skills outside of a nine to five, but actually in the market. So then I started doing market research. I used Instagram. I used websites like answerthepublic.com and typed in things like business funding, sales, startup, to see what questions are people asking about this and how can I start creating content to answer those questions. And from there, when I knew what I was going to talk about, when I knew what the pillars were going to be of my coaching and consulting, I started creating content like a mad woman, three to four pieces of content per day on Instagram every day, seven days a week, then eventually started going live every day, sometimes two times a day on Instagram. So my following went from about 300 followers in July of 2020 to about 80,000 followers in January of 2021. So it grew really fast. And I, you know, my goal was 100K, right? But when I, when I hit that or when I got to 30K, actually, at the end of 2020, I said, you know what? Maybe I could do a little more. Like Like 30K a month. No, 30K in total. Yeah. Oh, okay. It took me about that first six months of the year to even make that much. So it it definitely started a little slow. But once I got the hang of it and changed my goal to a million instead, between January and April, May, it just... So it's definitely... Definitely possible. And I always want people, women especially, to know no matter how many rocks get thrown at you in your current situation, you already have the tools you need to start changing your life. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but when you sit down and look at it and create a little bit of a plan that doesn't have to cost a lot of money, social media is free, you really can completely reinvent the situation. I think, Ellie, your narrative is has a lot to do also with the fact that you are a mom. Yeah. Hype that up for us. Cause I think sometimes we think motherhood means we can't do all of the things you're doing and it's a big job motherhood and parenthood in general, but so not to diminish that work, but you are a, a leader and example in how you can be financially independent while caring after your kids. And then later I want to talk about how you're bringing the kids into the business. I love it. But how was being a mom a motivator for you? Yeah. You know what? It was, it was definitely the biggest motivator. I remember having moments, you know, at the time at my mom's house, we were all sharing one room essentially. So the, the living room, so to speak at my mom's house was our room. 
So my bed is in the corner, the twins' cribs are here, and then the older kids, um, my eight-year-old and five-year-old now, were kind of on the other side. And so I remember, you know, just putting them all to bed and then just looking at the room, looking at them. And I was crying. And that was really in that moment where, you know, we all have these fears, fear to start our business, fear to do something we've never done. And I was so afraid to start. But in that moment, I became more afraid of being in that situation for another year, another two years. Like that was more scary to me. And it was really that night that I started that list. I'm like, you know what? As scary as it is to go out and try to start this business, I'm this young, you know, single mother in Inglewood, California. It's more scary for me to see all my kids in one room and to think about still being here two years from now, three years from now. So that really became like, if there's anyone I'm going to show up for, it's these kids. So I, so they can see me and see what is possible in life. And that is an example of how fear was your savior. Yes. You listened to that fear and you, you went from a fear that, you know, you couldn't control to a fear that you could. Exactly. So powerful. And And those are working for you. Your kids are, tell me how to do this. I have a five, I have a five and an eight year old. How do I get them to work? Oh, good. Okay. So, you know, a huge part of my platform now is showing women how they can become millionaires themselves, but as well, put their children on the path to financial independence from a young age. And a way to do that is to hire our kids into the business, you know? And so that's what I've done. My kids are eight, five, and the twins are three. So there's not a ton of things they can do, right? But there are a few things. And what it's really about is constructing a small role that can give them some importance, whether it's, you know, sometimes my son is my office assistant where he comes and makes sure that the office is clean. Other times his job is to hold the phone for me when I'm creating content and my daughter as well. The twins, they can't really do too much, but much of the time I'm using them in the content. So they're kind of like, you know, advertising, so to speak, but just creating these small roles. And even if you can only pay them, $100 a month, $200 a month. The beautiful thing is when you hire them at this young age, now you can open a custodial Roth IRA on their behalf. And up to $6,000 a year is what you can put in that custodial Roth IRA to help them start building wealth, you know, from a young age, from age seven to around 19 or 20. If you do that full 6,000, you know, they'll have a six-figure account by the time they're 20 years old. That's amazing. Um, And as well, the benefit to us as the parents is the money we pay them is a tax deduction for us and it's tax-free income for the children. So that's really one of my favorite ways to not only help your child to start building wealth, but to also help them to start learning what the value of money is and that you can work with your mom, you know, and, and really having them see mommy has a business and I work in mommy's business, you know, to start changing that, that narrative. And so tactically speaking, are your kids employees of your company? They're on your payroll more or less. Correct. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I wrote that down. Yeah. And I in the article, this when I first read it, I was like, I don't understand how this is child labor laws. Like, I don't know (laughs) how does this work, but it is, it is a fantastic idea. When did it occur to you that this was something that was, that you really cared about that, 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 I mean, as speaking now, I think as a black woman, right. Let's talk about how generational wealth 
um, it, historically, it just hasn't been there for right. Black Americans, um, in particular, single mom Black women. Yes. How did this sort of arrive into your um, onto your to do list, so yeah. to speak? And like, because I don't think this is very new and special. Like I don't see a lot of people doing this. Mm -hmm. It definitely is. And I would say for me, you know, about once I kind of hit that first seven figures mid uh, 2021, I started thinking about, you know, how do I make this last? Right. That was all I kept thinking is I don't want to be the first one who's done this in my family. And then by the time my kids are in their twenties, there's no money left, you know? And so I was reading a lot of information on generational wealth, why our communities, especially as Black women and the Black community overall, why we do not have generational wealth and what are some steps we can start doing to change it. And so what really helped me get on track is I hired a CPA at that time. I hired a CPA, I hired a financial planning team because I knew I didn't know what to do with a million dollars, you know? I knew if it was left to me, I wasn't going to be able to manage it well. So I felt I had to get experts in to give me strategies. And so when I realized that there was an opportunity here to do this with my children, I just latched onto it. And I said, wow, imagine me. I didn't know about this until I had already hit this income threshold. I want to make sure moms who are only making 50,000 a year know about this so they can start planting these seeds of generational wealth now. You know, I don't believe that you should have to be a millionaire before you can start making these millionaire plays. You know, I feel like and a huge part of what I do now, such as with the Next Advisor article, is making sure people have access to this whether they have a million dollars or not, because it is something you can do, even if you can only afford to pay your kids $75 every two weeks. That's still taking a step towards educating them and building wealth so that they know what to do with it later. Beautiful. I want to learn about your business. Can you get me behind the scenes of how you're helping these women scale up and these business owners and, and what it is you're coaching them on? Absolutely. So a big part of what we focus on at my academy, it's called Elevated Academy, you know, Elevated, right? And so we help. <laughs> yes, we help women to start online businesses specifically, and we teach them how they can position themselves for funding so they can scale. I recognize that a huge problem in women-owned businesses, and especially women of color-owned businesses, is that we get the least amount of funding. We get the least amount of capital. We get the least amount of business credit. And for any business, you need cash in order to grow. You need capital. Um, so I decided to start teaching them about business credit, about how to get grants, how to position your business for a grant. And then as well, connected to that, once you get the funding, how do you use it to not only scale your business, but also to build wealth? So another part of what we teach them is once you receive the capital, how do you leverage it to create new income streams like through real estate or starting another small business that can bring you passive income? How do you flip the bag, essentially, right? So it's get the bag, split the bag, okay? And then you flip the bag, right? So how do you flip it to create new income streams so that truly you do start building wealth and this business can be what helps you 
to gain financial independence, just like I have. Um, so it's truly, you know, it's an amazing community. We have just about 60,000 students now who have come through and taken classes. And I love to see that these women are making it happen. You know, they're getting the funding. Well, you're making it so accessible. Yeah. And relatable. And that's, you know, this stuff isn't rocket science, but for too long, women, especially women of color, have felt uninvited to the table to have these conversations. Yes. We didn't even know who to turn to. And we were embarrassed to ask the questions or we were intimidated. And you have completely opened arms and invited this community in and it's continuing to grow. My goodness. What's next for you? You mentioned that you teach some of your students about real estate investing and how to kind of you know, grow the bag, but how are you doing that in your own financial life? The business yeah. is one asset. Investing is another way you're probably making money like in the stock market, but are, are, is there anything else that you've got your eye on and your oh, money? Yes. So my next goal is to become a hotel owner. What? Yes, I know. <laughs> Big goal. I love you. you don't think small. That's no. part of this. I'm learning. Like you cannot yes. play small. No, you can't. It's made me feel like, you know what, if this has happened, I'm going after all of it. Like we we're going after all of it. So my next goal is to become a hotel owner. And I have a community, which is my mommy to millionaire community. It's our platform. And in that our goal, my goal is to, you know, enroll moms, show them how to become millionaires. And so what I would love to do is in the acquisition of this hotel, I would love for the moms to be able to invest in it. So even if they can only put up $500, but I would love for that to be, you know, our mommy to millionaire acquisition where these moms can show their kids like, hey, we own a piece of this, you know, Wyndham Hotel in Indiana, wherever it is, right? But that is the next goal. So I'm hoping that will happen in 2023, perhaps. You know, I like to do things fast, maybe 2024. But that's definitely the next concrete thing I want to accomplish. And then outside of that, just really continuing to expand the community. You know, I would love to be able to get 100,000 women enrolled in my classes and really be able to quantify the impact that this is having um, on people. So I'm excited. What was it that nobody was calling you back when you had all those resumes out there? What? It wasn't the pandemic yet. I mean, tell me, because I'm still like, what is going on? You know, but I really felt like it, it seemed to me that it was a sign, right? If you apply to 53 jobs and nobody contacts you, I really was like, okay, God, you must be telling me it's time to do something else. Cause I mean, you know, geez, 53. Yeah. I mean, come on. I know I'm not like, what? so that was a sign that I needed to shift direction. And definitely that was the move I needed to make, you know? So I always tell my audience now, sometimes when you receive those no's and those rejections, it really just means a next opportunity. That's what no stands for to me. You just need to turn and go the other way. The door is not open. Okay, we're going to climb through the window. You know, I always encourage them not to take it as a failure, but more really of a, hey, that means you're called to something else. So pivot. I so appreciate your mindset, Ellie. Where does it come from? Where does the mindset come from? You know, I think that I've always been a really optimistic person and 
I'm half Senegalese from uh, Senegal, West Africa. And so I lived in the country from a really young age. And if anyone is familiar with West Africa or Africa in general, you know, they certainly don't have as much there as we have here. And so spending time there, living there as a young child, but seeing how happy they are, even despite the little that they have, I think has always left this small bit of, you know, reminder to be grateful at all times, even when it's so challenging, there's always another way, right? We are, we can be very resourceful when it's time to, and optimism will truly save your life. That's how I see it. Um, Yeah. So that's, that's where it comes from. And I feel as though since becoming a mother as well, I want my children to always believe in themselves. And even when things get hard, I always want them to have that ability to pull themselves out of a dark place. So I feel like I have to be that example so they know how it's done. I I thought maybe there was an interesting story there. And I, because I see on your Instagram too, you have Arabic. Yep. And I'm also Muslim. No, I wish I did. I can pray pray in Arabic. You have this global consciousness. Yeah. I have to believe that's part of your, you know, why you're so wise and why you are so appealing. And, you know, the pandemic has been a, a reckoning of sorts. And in some ways, like, I guess if there's a silver lining to every, the devastation is that, well, we're all a little bit more connected now. We don't feel like we have to live in a particular, we don't have to live in New York or LA. Yeah. Like you can make your life work anywhere. And, and so what's your advice to, to women who may feel um, isolated or not connected because they're not geographically somewhere where they feel they're going to meet entrepreneurs? Like, how do you find your community right now? I love that. That's such a great question. And I think the best way to find your community is truly through social media. You know, if you are in an area of the world where there may not be a large community of like-minded women or other entrepreneurs near you, Go on Instagram, go on TikTok, go on Facebook and type in what you're interested in. If it's real estate, you want to find other women interested in real estate, type in women real estate and groups will pop up. And I think what's special about social media in this way is it does give us the ability to be connected to someone way on the other side of the world. And by opening up and sharing, hey, this is where I am. This is what I need you will find people who can fill that need or someone who needs the same thing. So it will take a little bit of courage, right? It's not always easy to step outside of your comfort zone and go onto the internet to find that community. But I can definitely tell you, woman, if you are listening, the person that you need is out there, right? And when you open yourself up to finding them, that's how the universe works. That's how God works. You will be aligned with who you need. You just have to take that first step. Mm-hmm. What I'm learning in from you, Ellie, is that, well, first, your story started with you being a student, mm-hmm. knowing what you wanted, but also realizing there was a gap. You had to learn yes. the internet and social media and what are people asking for and how can you be in service of your end client? I think that's so important. We sort of skip that step, not that we skip it in life, but in telling our stories, we skip that step, you know, yes. our success stories. You have to sort of bear down and learn and, and mm-hmm. go down rabbit holes. And you did that and you invested that time. And then you had really big plans. You, you mean, 
I'm going to go to your hotel. Like, I think it's going to be so much fun. fun. You weren't afraid to know what you didn't know and, and get the help that you needed. So when you said that you got and hired, you know, financial advisors, your CPA, mm-hmm. huge step. Huge. And you're somebody who knows money and knows business. And yet you knew I'm going to outsource this because I need this support. Your optimistic take on life is perhaps it's in your DNA, but I think it's contagious and that's a good Mm -hmm. thing. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you. That's definitely my goal. You know, I always want women to know that you can really do it. And as cliche as that sounds, right, we all say it, but it, it has so much truth in that I believe we come here with all of the ingredients we need to make the cake we want in life, right? Rather than always praying for the cake and hoping, oh, when is this delicious cake of everything I want going to come? Recognize that much of the time we already have the flour, the milk, the vanilla, the sugar, everything we need to make it. We just have to get in the kitchen and start making it. And that's what I did. And I know if I can do it from those really challenging circumstances that anyone can. Seriously, from food stamps to living with your mom to making millions of dollars. Ellie Job, thank you so much. And congratulations on being a Next Up honoree 2022. I just started following you. I don't know what happened. I don't know why my I wasn't following you earlier on Instagram. I'm slow on Instagram. Welcome okay. to the Before family, y'all. <laughs> a little behind on social media. Thank you so much and yeah. continue, wishing you continued success. Thank you, Farnish. Thank you. For the full list of our Next Up honorees, check out the link in our show notes, but you can go to nextadvisor.com for all of it. Stay tuned for Wednesday's episode. We'll have another Next Up honoree, Jeremy Schneider. Learn how he started a business in his dorm room, sold it, and is now retired in his 30s. I hope your day is so money.